Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. If you're new or visiting, the service online is keeping it simple Wednesday night service, and it's focused on just glorifying Jesus, and we just taking our place. So he increases, we decrease. Big Jesus, little I, little me, little us. So it's all about Jesus. And so we want to turn to Mark chapter 1. And as you turn there or swipe there on your device, I encourage you to get your hearts ready because we're about to pray right before we continue the worship through studying God's word. And so let's go before the Lord and bow our hearts before him. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your blessings. Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of craziness, even in the midst, Lord, of sickness, you are still there. You are still good. You are still in control. And we are still blessed. And so, Father, we, we just lift up this time to you. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. That you give us understanding and fresh insight. And most of all, that you help us to not just be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit who indwells every child of God, every believer. And Lord, we pray for anyone out there who's listening, who may not have put their trust in Jesus and, and who do not have a personal relationship with you. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that something will be said and that you remove the spiritual blinders and draw that person to yourself and allow them to be a part of your family. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we are in Mark chapter 1, and tonight's study will be focused on verses 14 through 20. Again, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. And the title of tonight's message is Leaving Nets leaving nets. So in our past studies and in the past or previous verses in Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist and that he was also led by the Holy Spirit who came upon him in the form of a dove into the Judean wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And now some time has passed after those events. And so that brings us to tonight's study. We are in Mark, again, chapter 1, verse 14. And it says, now, after John was put in prison, remember, some time had passed now. It says that Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled or the time has come at last, and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, if you look at the gospel according to John, and you don't have to turn there right now, but it tells us that Jesus had done some ministry in Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel. And you can look in in John chapter 1, beginning at the 35th verse, all the way to the end of the fourth chapter of John, if you want more details about his ministry in Judea. But now after John the Baptist's imprisonment, Jesus went north. So he he left Judea, that, that southern part of Israel. He began to go north to begin his public ministry in a region or area called Galilee. And now the reason John the Baptist was arrested and thrown into prison, for those of you who are curious, you would have to skip ahead. And so if you like to peek ahead, you can go to Mark chapter 6 and read about why John the Baptist was arrested and thrown into prison. And so I'll share that with you, but you can still read it on your own. But anyway, he told Herod Antipas, 
that it was unlawful for him to marry his brother's wife. Now this Herod Antipas was the governor of Galilee and Perea at that time, those regions. And so obviously he wasn't happy with John the Baptist, arrested him, threw him into prison. So Jesus is saying, now it's time for me to leave Judea, the southern area of Israel, and go on up to Galilee. And so again, he's going to begin or start his public ministry in the northern area of Israel. Again, it's called Galilee. And so what I see in John chapter 3, verse 30, is something that John the Baptist said. Now, what John the Baptist says here in this verse, John 3, 30, he said this to his disciples. And he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Again, that's before he was thrown into prison. He must increase, I must decrease. But we have to remember something here. We have to remember the humility of John the Baptist, the humble servant. He knew his role. He knew that he was the forerunner of Jesus, the Christ, of the Messiah, that he was not the Christ. And so he stayed in his place. And so when people began to ask him, who was he? He said, I'm not he. I'm not the Christ. I'm just the one, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. I'm just making his path straight. I'm just crying out and preaching repentance and helping people to prepare their hearts for Jesus, the Messiah, who's going to step onto the scene. And so as people repented, as they confessed their sins, he baptized them in water in the, in the Jordan River. So John the Baptist he, he, he declined that, that offer that maybe his flesh wanted to give him of, of making himself more important than he really was. And so he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that's a reminder for us in those words of John the Baptist. And the reminder for us is that we must put ourselves in that metaphorical prison, so to speak. In other words, we need to get out of the way of Jesus. We need to decrease and allow him to increase in our lives. Allow him to increase in the work of the ministry. We must decrease and allow him to increase in the work that he's doing in and through the church. And so like John the Baptist was moved off of the scene, he was thrown into prison according to the will of God. Because if it wasn't in God's will, he wouldn't have allowed it to happen. Remember, God is sovereign. But by John the Baptist being moved out of the way, now in prison because of Herod Antipas putting him there. Now there's no confusion between him and Jesus. So Jesus now is going to begin his public ministry in Galilee. Now the scriptures tell us that during Jesus' time in Galilee, that northern area of Israel, he, he visited his hometown and his hometown is Nazareth. And he shared the word of God with them in a synagogue, a place where the Jews would meet and, and they would worship God. They would study the scriptures. They were written on scrolls. And so in Nazareth, after reading the word of God to them, they rejected him and they wanted to throw him off the cliff. And so Jesus, of course, escaped. It wasn't his time to die. And that's a reminder for us as well. Is that we're not going to die on this side of eternity unless God is through with us. Unless it's our appointed time. And God has an appointed time for each and every one of us. And we don't know when that is. God knows when our work on this side of eternity is finished and we don't know when that is, but every day we need to live our lives for his glory, being faithful according to the power that he gives to us through his Holy Spirit. And so after he was rejected in Nazareth, his, his hometown, the city where he grew up, which was actually a city in that northern area of Galilee, after that, he went to a place, another city in Galilee, named 
Capernaum. And now in Matthew 4, verse 17, this is what it said when he came to Capernaum, which he would eventually make his headquarters for ministry in that area of Galilee. It says in Matthew 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, that's Matthew 4, 17, where he shared that. Now, back in Mark 1, 15, it states uh, the, the same message. Except it adds a little more in what we read there. In Mark 1.15, it states that Jesus was saying in his message that he preached. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so same message there that is recorded pretty much in Matthew 4. But then you have those extra words there. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, what could Jesus have meant when he said the time is fulfilled? It could mean that, number one, the time has come for the king to arrive. That is according to God's timing. And the king, of course, being Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The time has come for him to arrive. And yet, yes, indeed, he arrived on the scene. But that phrase, the time is fulfilled, could also mean that now is the time to become a part of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So it can mean now is your chance. This is your chance to become a part of the kingdom. And why is that? Why is the kingdom near? Why is it time? Why is this their chance? It's their chance because the king has come. The king is on the scene. The king, of course, being Jesus Christ. And as long as the king is here, if you repent... The person would repent and put their faith in Jesus. They would receive that gospel message. Then they would become a citizen of the kingdom. And so in essence, Jesus preached a message that gives people an opportunity to become a part of his kingdom, to become a part of the kingdom of God. And there was no form to fill out. There was no application to fill out. There was no minimum age requirement. There was no common language requirement. Jesus didn't have a clipboard and a sign-up sheet to get people to sign up to be a part of the kingdom of God. No, it's simply that here is your chance. The, the, The king is here. Repent. Believe in the gospel and you'll be a part of the kingdom of God. And although those of us who believe right now are not seeing the kingdom, although Jesus has not come back visibly to set up his kingdom on earth, right now we are a part of the kingdom. And there's many of you out there who haven't received Christ. You have an opportunity tonight to become a citizen of the kingdom of God as well. So right now, you can be a part of the kingdom if you repent. That means turn from your sins. Turn towards God in faith. Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the one who died for your sins, the one who died for my sins, past, present, and future. Right now, you can be a citizen of the kingdom. Now, in Mark 1, picking up at verse 16, It says, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, also known as Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. 
And so this Sea of Galilee is also called, because you, you'll see this in the scriptures, it's also called the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Tiberias, the same sea that it's talking about. And the Sea of Galilee, by the way, is really a lake in that northern area of Israel. But that's where Jesus was. He walked by that sea, saw these brothers. And then in verses 19 and 20, it says, when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending or repairing, could also mean preparing their nets, their fishing nets. And immediately he called them and, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants or workers and they went after him. They went after Jesus. Now in Mark's account, in the account that we're studying tonight, we see that he gives a brief description of the call of Jesus's disciples or followers. And Peter and Andrew for sure, the scriptures tell us, had, had met Jesus about a year earlier in John chapter 1 verses 35 through 43, if you want to write that down. So Peter and Andrew for sure met Jesus a year earlier while he was still in Judea, that area in the southern part of Israel. And John, whom we know as John the Apostle, was likely, likely that unnamed disciple that we see in John chapter 1 verses 35 through 39. And it's reasonable for us to believe that John would have introduced his brother James to Jesus as well. And so what we just read here in the gospel according to Mark, in Mark 1 verses 16 through 20, it's, it's not the first time that these men have heard of Jesus. It's not the first time that they met Jesus. In fact, in in John, the gospel according to John, they had even spent time with Jesus. In fact, they even traveled with Jesus to Cana of Galilee. And they witnessed that, that miracle at the wedding where he turned um, that water into wine. And so apparently after that time that they met him, spent time with them, that they saw that miracle in Cana of Galilee. Apparently after that time, a year previous to here in our lesson, they, they, they still went back to their fishing industry. They didn't stick with Jesus at that time in full-time ministry. They, they went back to their jobs, went back to their industry. They were fishermen. And Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, we see a few more details about this account about these four fishermen who were called to full-time ministry with Jesus. And so we want to turn to Luke chapter 5, where you want to swipe there if you have your device. And we want to look at the first verse. And what we're looking for is more details about what we read in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Now put that on the screen for you. So again, Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Remember, that's the Sea of Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Remember, Simon is Peter. And when they had done this in, in Luke 5, verse 6, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, he said to Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Again, a different account or more details about these fishermen who forsook everything and they followed Jesus into full-time ministry. And so in those verses in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, you notice that, yeah, it was focused more on his interaction with Peter. But that's why we want to read all of the scriptures together. Because we want to get a full view of the life and the ministry and the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And so we look, we want to get that full view that, that comes from looking at all four gospel accounts. And so that's why it's so important. And so a collective look at all of these accounts, they show us that Peter, Andrew, James, and John, it show us that they left their fishing profession in order to follow Jesus in full-time ministry. Oh yeah, they already knew Jesus. They already had spent time with Jesus in Judea. They have already witnessed some things. For example, in Cana of Galilee, as I mentioned earlier, turning the water into wine. They have already said that, oh, this is, this is the Messiah. So they, they said those things, hung out with them already. But, but now they are invited to join him in full-time ministry. And they took the offer. Because instead of being just fishermen fishing for fish, they were going to now be fishers of men, fishers of people. And Jesus was going to make them into that. He's going to help them in their journey into uh, fishing for people by sharing the gospel. In, In Mark 1 verse 18, Andrew and Peter are said to have left their nets. And it says immediately, again, there's our word in the gospel according to Mark. Immediately, Andrew and Peter left their nets. The question for all of us tonight is, have we left our nets? Are there some nets that we're holding on to and we're refusing to leave? We're refusing to drop. We're continuing to hold on to these nets these nets that are holding us back. And nets, they can be in the category of sin, for example, or a a net in our lesson tonight could be something that could be good. It could be something that could be indifferent. It's not necessarily morally right or wrong. For example, fishing, fishing, they had, somebody had to do it. It provided for them and their families. And so it's not something that's, that's always sin, but again, it could be something good, but does it mean that it's the best? It could be good, but does it mean that it's better? And so it could fall into one of those two categories. And so again, I pose the question to you and really to all of us, have we left our nets? And the nets that many of us need to leave behind are found in what we've read tonight in in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, and in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And so we want to start with our first net that we find in our lesson tonight, in in these two gospel accounts tonight. First of all, have we left the net of comfort have we left that net? Have we dropped that net? You see, fishing, again, were, was something important for these four men. It was something that they were used to doing. They were comfortable with it. Although they spent time with Jesus in Judea, although they knew of him, 
they went right back to what they were comfortable doing. And so have we dropped or left the net of comfort? See, some of us are comfortable with the job. Some of us are comfortable with certain habits or routines in our lives. And I venture to say some people are even comfortable in their sins. And so they don't want to drop the net of sin. They don't want to drop the net of the sinful lifestyle because they feel so comfortable in that sinful lifestyle. That lifestyle that falls below God's standard of righteousness. But yet and still, some of us are comfortable with that. Comfortable with our fishing, with our routines. Or how about the net of dependency? Some of us have a net of depending on a thing or a person. And so we have a net of dependency. Have we left that net? Yes, these men, again, they depended on fishing to support themselves and their families. Not necessarily bad. I mean, they had to eat. They probably had bills to pay. And so they had to support themselves and their family. But sometimes we can use dependency on things and people and it could be our net. And so who or what have we been dependent on? Because sometimes the net doesn't have to be a job. Doesn't have to be a way for us to receive income. It could be a person who serves as our net. Again, that's the net of dependency. Do any of us have that net that need to be left? So what or who have we been dependent on? Have you left that net? Or how about that net of expectations? And so in the case, for example, of James and John, who we study tonight, maybe they expected, maybe they had a net of expectancy of taking over the business from their father Zebedee one day. And maybe some of you have that net of expectancy. You expect to do something. You expect to accomplish something. And so you're holding on to that net instead of leaving it and and following Jesus. But the question is, are your expectations lining up with the will of God for your life? Are your expectations for your life, as I repeat, is it lining up with God's plan for your life? Or are you going to go along with your own expectations for your life? Well, I expect to get this promotion and I'm, I'm not going to leave this position unless I get this promotion. Even if God is perhaps tugging on my heart to lead me in a different direction. And so maybe they had that expectation of taking over the business from their father. Or how about this? Maybe their father Zebedee. Speaking of James and John, maybe he had an expectation of one day retiring and allowing them to take over, even if it wasn't necessarily their expectations. And I remember when I was younger, I, I had this expectation. I had this goal of becoming a school teacher, an English teacher. So I had that desire. I wanted to go to school for that, and I eventually did. But I remember my father telling me, why, why do you want to, or asking me, why do you want to be a school teacher? Why don't you try to go to the military or shoot for being a doctor or something like that? And so his expectation didn't quite line up with my expectation and goal. So eventually, yes, I did become a school teacher, teaching in the public schools, teaching junior high, subject again, English. And so maybe... You're trying to live up to someone else's expectations. And and some of us need to drop that net. Or how about the net of the temporal mindset where you're focusing more on earthly things. You're focusing more on things that are going to pass away instead of focusing on things that are going to last for eternity. The eternal things, the spiritual things. And so we have this temporal mindset. And we see these, these fishermen, they had that temporal mindset, at least for a time, because they, they, again, poured themselves into catching fish. 
And so their eyes previously had not been open to, to catching people spiritually for the Lord. By using the gospel, God's word as the bait, throwing it out there, just being bold about it, seeing who is ripe and ready to hear the gospel, who is going to bite that bait that will eventually give them that eternal life. If anyone receives the message of the gospel, which is about our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And so they had to drop the net of that temporal mindset as some of us need to do. So have we ditched that net, the net of focusing on the temporal instead of on the eternal, instead of on the spiritual, instead of on that which will last, instead of on that which will reap eternal rewards? Are we focusing on those things that are going to pass away? that moth can destroy, that people can steal. Are we focusing on these things? If we are, we need to ditch. We need to leave that net of that temporal mindset. Some of us need to leave the net of some relationships. Now, not all human relationships are wrong, but we, we do see that James and John, who were used to working with their father, Zebedee, they had to lay down. They had to leave that net, so to speak, of that partnership in the fishing business with their father. And so are there any relationships that maybe we're putting above the relationship with Jesus? If so, then I want to encourage you tonight to toss that net, to leave that net and follow Jesus. Or how about that net that some of us are still holding on to? And it's a net called the net of achievements. As we see in Luke 5 verses 5 and 6, uh, those fishermen, they, they got what they were looking for. See, Jesus had been teaching the multitude and they began to press him. If you remember what we read in Luke 5 verses 1 through 11, they began to press him. And so he got in one of the two boats there that, that was on the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And he asked Peter to, to pull out a little bit. He wanted a little room. And so he taught the multitudes. He taught the crowd of people. And the scriptures tell us that after Jesus finished speaking, he told Peter, he said, hey, go out a little more and, and throw in your net for some fish. And Peter told Jesus, hey, we've been toiling all night. We've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. I respect you, Jesus. You're a great teacher and all. You were a terrific guy and all, Jesus. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a fisherman. But you know what? At your word, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put this net in the water. And as Peter obeyed Jesus... It says that the net filled up with fish and there were so many fish that were caught in the net that the net was breaking. And in fact, he had to call for help from his buddies in the other boat. And I believe them to be James and John. The scriptures tell us in Luke 5 that they were his fishing partners. And so they helped them. And, and, and as they began to pick up the fish and put them in the boats, the boats began to sink and the scriptures tell us that Peter, when he saw that, when he, when he saw what had happened, it says that he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I'm a sinful man. And so the point is, in speaking about this net of achievement, is that they, they achieved that catch. They got the fish that they wanted. They worked all night for it and, and didn't get it. But Jesus shows up on the scene, tells them to go out, put in their net. And guess what? They, they reached their goal. 
And so some of us have been praying for things for a long time. We've wanted things for a long time. We worked for things for a long time. And it may seem that we have worked all night, that we have worked all of our lives. Some would say half of our lives for a certain goal, for a certain achievement. And then we accomplish that goal. And so we have that achievement. But then we get to the point where some of us don't want to let it go. And that, again, becomes a net for us. But Peter and these other disciples here, these other three fishermen, along with Peter, they, after they saw that, they had no problem forsaking all, dropping their net, and following Jesus in full-time ministry. So have you gotten to that point? Have you gotten to that point where you're ready to drop the net of comfort, to, to drop the net of dependency, to, to drop that net of expectation or that temporal mindset, that net of relationships or achievement? Have you gotten to that point? You see, these men, these four fishermen, they realized that they would be settling for less if they would have chosen to keep the catch of fish over Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. They realized they would have settled for less. Now, thanks to Matt, I have the control back. Thank you, Matt. And so we're looking at Philippians 3, 7. And this is the same heart and attitude that these four fishermen had. And this is something that the apostle Paul said. Philippians 3, 7, it says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. All of the achievements that I've received today, this big catch of fish. I've never seen a catch this big, some of them may have thought. In all of my fishing years, and I've achieved it, but all these things that were gained to me, I could imagine them saying or having this attitude, I have counted loss for Christ. And the apostle Paul who's speaking here, who's sharing his heart and everything that the apostle Paul thought was gained to him and doing his best in keeping the law and being a Pharisee and being the best he could be in his flesh as good as he could be. All those things that were gained to him, he counted loss for Christ. Is there anybody out there with that same type of attitude who's willing to see your achievements, all those things that were gained to you? You're willing to cast those things aside so that you would gain Christ, so that you would get closer to him. And when we drop our nets, and when we follow Jesus and his will for our lives, again, we go from worst to best. We go from good to best. We go from better to best. But to get to that place of best, we need to start off with following Jesus. Because notice Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You know, it's a good thing that you're fishing for, for fish in the water. That's a good thing. You have to make a living. And you're obviously pretty successful at it. But, but you know what? I can, I can help you to get to best. I can help you to become fishers of men. And so it's the same way for us. We can get to that place from good to best, from better to best by first following Jesus. And he's going to equip us. He's going to help us to be all that he wants us to be in Christ Jesus. He's going to help us to receive all that he wants us to receive in him. But it first start with following him. You know, some of us have tried to live a life of trying to do good. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's good. But, but best or even better than that is putting your faith in Jesus Christ, who is truly good and receiving or being declared righteous, which can only come by faith. It's a gift of grace. Or how about some people who maybe they're a salesperson 
Maybe they are, in fact, a good salesperson. Maybe their numbers are at the top in their company. But how about being, going from being just a good salesperson to becoming a salesperson who is Christ-like? A salesperson who's not just going to get good numbers, but a person who's going to love the customers that he's selling to. A person who's going to set a good example for those he's selling to, whose services he or she is soliciting. Or how about just from going from being a good parent, a parent who's just present in our children's lives? How about just from, from going from that point, just being a good parent? I'm there. I feed them. I provide for them. How about going from that place to even better? How about going from that position as a parent to become an even better parent in Christ? So go from providing them, for example, just food on the table to providing them a meal from the word of God. How about that? How about we become better parents in doing that? Teaching our children the word. How about going from good, just being a churchgoer, to becoming a servant? How about going from being a churchgoer to, 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 to just seeing what can I receive today to becoming a servant within the body of Christ? What can I do for you today, God? If you're a sports coach, if you're a football coach, how about going from good, becoming a, or being a good football coach to becoming a coach or maybe a mentor, a person who disciples a, a younger believer in Christ? How about going from, from, from good to better, from better to best? And again, it only starts with us following Christ. And now while dropping those nets, while leaving those nets, could be leaving a job, could be leaving an industry just like the four fishermen did. It could be leaving a position. Dropping our nets could be leaving our team or perhaps a location, whatever city or community you live in, if God is calling you out of that. But that is not always the case. Sometimes dropping our nets is about allowing the Lord to use us, allowing the Lord to, to use our knowledge, our experience, and our current platform to do his work. How about just instead of just seeing our jobs as just a job, our careers as just a career, how about seeing where that, that that is a place where God has placed us, that that is the platform God has given to us to glorify him? How about seeing it that way? Dropping that net of that old attitude of just seeing it in a natural way. Like, Lord, I don't care too much for this job, but Lord, you have me here for a reason. You have not moved me according to my own plan, according to my own timing. But Lord, you know what? I give up. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to see it as a platform and I'm going to drop that net of, of seeing it the natural way. And so it's not literally leaving that job or that career. It, it could just be Dropping that net of that old attitude and, and seeing where you are, where God has placed you in a different way. That God, you've given me an opportunity. Yes, that person is always on my back. Yes, that boss doesn't like me very much, but you have me here and you want me to be a witness for you. You want me to allow my light to shine. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I share these final words with you. That I really want, to want you to take with you, especially if you're struggling with the thought of, of dropping some of these nets that we talked about tonight. And so if you're struggling with letting go of any of those nets, again, metaphorical nets, symbolic nets in your life, there is, first of all, a word of caution that I want to share with you. And it's found in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. And the main point I want you to take from this verse, and again, this is a word of caution if you're struggling with letting go of some of these nets, is that God will not allow anything to compete with him. And we see that in Luke 14, 26. He says, 
And this is Jesus speaking. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, he's saying not to literally hate them, despise them. In other words, your love for him should be so intense to the point that it seems like you hate everything and everyone else. So in other words, he's saying, don't put anyone ahead of him. If we do, that person cannot be his disciple, his follower. So he will not allow anything or anyone to compete with him. And in the place of where it says father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters in our own life, in the place of that, we can, say, we can say that if we don't hate those hobbies, if we don't hate the sinful lifestyle that we're living in right now, we can't put anything above him. And so I want to start with that word of caution. But then I want to leave with the word of encouragement. For those of you who have already dropped your nets, For those of you who are already following Jesus, I just want to encourage you that God will not forget what nets you let go of. Now, final verse for the night or verses for the night, it says in Luke 18, verses 28 through 30, it says, Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. In other words, he's saying that if we don't put anything or anyone else above him, if we don't now, uh, if we don't allow anyone else or anything else to derail us from following him as we ought to, then we're going to be blessed. We're going to receive much more than we gave up, than we left, that we cast aside. And it's not telling you to not take care of your family. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's just saying, don't put anything or anyone above him. And so again, I just want to encourage you, if you already left those nets behind, if If you followed him, you put those nets behind, then you are blessed right now with eternal spiritual blessings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for those nets that you've helped us to to cast aside, that you helped us to leave. Thank you for inviting us to follow you. Because, Lord, when we hear that invitation, even as believers, to to leave something behind, to follow you in a deeper fellowship, to follow you wherever you want us to go. Lord, what we're really hearing is that you're inviting us to go from good to best. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your work. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the family of God. And for those who are struggling with leaving their nest behind, Lord, I I just pray that you would give them more grace That, Lord, what they're having a hard time surrendering on their own, you'll help them to surrender. May you be glorified. And for the person who is ready to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord tonight, I want to lead you in a prayer. 
And if you really mean it, if you're really ready, then this prayer will mean something. And so if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and start and you can repeat this after me. So God, I've heard the gospel. I've heard that I'm a sinner and that I need Jesus, a Savior. You love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And right now I repent. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I am confessing right now with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And I believe in my heart that not only did Jesus die for my sins, but that God, you raised him from the dead. And so I want to thank you for receiving me into your family. I want to thank you that Jesus is now in my life. And I pray that you'll help me from this point on to live for you, to live to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for your prayers. Again, if you need prayer, uh, go to the website, calvaryqueencreek.org. Fill out that prayer request. If you want to subscribe and receive emails and announcements, go to that same website. Go to the portion that says subscribe. Type in your email. And then don't forget to go to your email to confirm that that is the correct email address. So on behalf of all of us here, the staff, the leadership here, again, we, we miss you. We love you. May God use you in a mighty way this week. And so don't leave yet. We have one more song, and we're going to sing this song to the Lord because that's why we're here. That's why we're viewing. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.